It is, it is Mother's Day. Uh, so when we have events like Mother's Day and we're still trying to follow the lectionary, I am forced to try and shoehorn the event in with the particular scripture that we have. Now, thankfully, it has lined up pretty well. Uh, so we are going through the scriptures about the Good Shepherd today, which is not a difficult jump to make uh, to, to, you know, good mums. So it hasn't been too much of a challenge. Um, so today we are especially thankful uh, for mothers. We have lots of mothers in our community. I understand that Mother's Day for some people can also be a very challenging time because of complicated relationships with their own mothers or because of difficulty with fertility and uh, or, you know, uh, relationship. And I just want uh, everyone to know that I I love all of the, um, the, the ladies in our community and the men in our community and the mothers in our community and the fathers and the wherever you fall on that spectrum. But today, despite all the challenges, we are just especially grateful for the mothers. Uh, so thank you uh, for everything you bring to our community. And we love you very, very dearly. Which brings us to our lectionary passage for today, which is in John chapter 10. Now we will be reading from a fair bit more than the actual passage because there's some background I'd like to capture. So the actual uh, gospel reading for the lectionary is John 10, 11 to 18, but it's part of a broader teaching from Jesus about being a good shepherd. So we have uh, this chapter itself. So the first five verses, Jesus tells a thing which we'll read about being a shepherd uh, and about his sheep. And then in verse six, the Pharisees say, we have no idea what you're talking about. They're dumb. They don't get it. Uh, and then it carries on like that for the rest of, of this passage. Uh, immediately before this, in John chapter 9, Jesus has healed a man who was born blind. So the Pharisees then have kind of a mock trial. They're launched an investigation to figure out uh, what, what is going on with this Jesus guy because this other guy has been healed. So that's kind of the scene that is set. Who is Jesus? That's the question that's being asked at the end of chapter 9. Is he the prophet? Is he the son of man whom God has, God has sent to judge the world? What's his deal? Who is he? So then we get to John chapter 10. I'm going to start from the first verse. It says, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, this is Jesus speaking, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so now we start where we're meant to be reading from. So buckle down, got a little bit more. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. 
So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive, receive from my father. So shepherd imagery is really common in Scripture, not just in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. So despite the fact that the Pharisees would have had a disdain of sorts towards the shepherd kind of working class, the Pharisees were uh, more hoity-toity business types. They were not out in the pastures getting covered in blood and poo and hair and all of the gross things that happen with shepherding. They were not into that. They would have seen them as a lower class. Uh, but despite that uncouthness, the imagery was something they all understood. And oddly enough, the imagery is something that we see in Scripture applied to the king in a prophetic way to the king of Israel. So in the, um, especially in Ezekiel, which this passage kind of harkens back to, it's, it speaks of uh, both David being a king, which is a foreshadowing of Jesus, the Messiah being the king of Israel, but also to, uh, to God being the shepherd. Uh, so we have this imagery of, of shepherding all through the Scripture. In Ezekiel, the prophecies are not good for the shepherd, though. The prophecies basically say, you are very bad shepherds. So it's an accusation against the leaders uh, and of the Jewish people to say, you have used the sheep for your own personal gain. You have fleeced them and, and killed them and slaughtered them, and you are bad leaders. Uh, so in Ezekiel 34, in uh, verse 11, we have this, this statement where God is speaking and he says, I w myself will search for my sheep and I will look after them. So there's this prophetic image of a future that would come where God will look after his own sheep and he won't allow these dodgy shepherds uh, that uh, have ar arisen to be in charge. It points to David, uh, but it also points to the Messiah, a true shepherd that would come. Now, it is a kind of odd thing because in Ezekiel it has God being the true shepherd, but also it paints the, this messianic character in David as being the true shepherd. And none of that makes sense until we get to Jesus, who is both God and the Son. He is both the King and the Father. So in him, the Ezekiel prophecy finally makes sense. So let's quickly recap. recap. He says, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. I'm the good shepherd. The hired hands, they run off when they see a wolf coming. So this image of being the gate for the sheep. When I was, when I was in Israel, one of the places we visited was really cool because it had this kind of church that was set up in the cleft of a rock. It was like a cave and they'd built a church inside the cave. It was very neat. Uh, but in a time gone by, this was where shepherds would hang out. And they would have put their sheep in there in the evening in the cleft of this cave. And literally the shepherd would lay down in the entrance to the cave. So when he says, I am the gatekeeper, he literally means I am the gate or other. 
He's saying, I lay down as a gate in front of them so at night they don't wander out and get lost or get eaten by predators. So Jesus is saying, I am the very gate that protects the sheep. But the leaders of Israel, King Herod and the Pharisees, the revolutionaries that would challenge the imperial authorities, they all came before and they are thieves and they are robbers. Uh, I like, I like the, uh, in some translations it says they're brigands because uh, it's saying there are those who come to steal and there are those who come to fight. And, and I think that this accusation is just as relevant today. We have shepherds who are meant to be leading us in the church and in our nation, and some of them do it, and they slaughter the sheep and they fleece the sheep for their own personal gain. They do it for wealth, and then we have leaders who do it for power. We have those who steal, and we have those who wage war and who are violent. We have bad shepherds who are looking after the flock. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This word good in, in the Greek, kalos, is not just trying to describe a moralistic good. It's not just saying that he is the good behaving shepherd. To say he is good is also to say that he is beautiful and handsome. He is, so it's a, uh, that a, his appearance is good, but it also means that he is true. He is good and true. He is the noble shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. I am... Um, in the, in the evening, we kind of, we put our kids to bed and then often Bernie will wander off and end up in, in the bed. Bernie's our puppy dog. You'll see him running around probably. Uh, he often sneaks in when I'm teaching. It's very distracting. Uh, so Bernie will often end up in bed uh, in Ari's room. And there was one evening a while ago where Ari, I don't know, she was being cranky about something. Uh, and, and I think she made an accusation along the lines of, well, Bernie loves me more than you. And I was in bed. She was yelling from her room. A bit of sass there for her as Bernie was reclining on her bed. And I simply said, Bernie. And it's straight into my bed next to me because that dog knows my voice. I'm the good shepherd. She's just a hired hand. I'm the one who feeds the dog. I'm the one who, who looks after the dog and who clips his fur and, and looks after him. I, yeah. He knows my voice. And it's a wonderful thing. I just, I call out and I hear his, his little nails click on the floor and he leaps up into the bed and, and comes up because he knows my voice. So when Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd, they know my voice, I understand what he's saying. Just not with my kids. I call my kids and, they, and they're not nearly as responsive as my puppy. So Jesus' claim that he is a good shepherd comes from the fact that his sheep hear his voice and they know him. Maybe I'm not such a good father. Um, <laughs> they hear my voice. They know. They just run and hide. No, that's not. They hear his voice. Jesus' proof that he is the good shepherd uh, is that the blind man sees, which is how this, this whole setup here has happened because the blind man sees and they're all like, who is he? Who is this man that's healed you? Uh, uh, and he's like, I don't know, but I can see. But I can see. You see, the, the proof is that the people that, followed Jesus. And the proof is after Jesus' death and resurrection, the people who saw Jesus, who saw the holes in his hands, 
those, those same disciples that saw the resurrected Christ and were then willing to go and into all nations of the earth in order to preach the gospel and die as martyrs for that faith. They heard his voice, they knew his voice, and they were willing to lay down their lives like he did. He was a good shepherd and his sheep knew his voice. But then he says this weird thing. He says, I have other sheep who are not of this sheep pen and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And I love this because Jesus is talking to this, this religious elite who are accusing him and saying, who are you really? And he's saying, I'm the good shepherd of Israel. I am the good shepherd. I am the, the prophesied king that would come. I am the true shepherd. He's not really holding back here. But he also says, there are others who I will shepherd. There are other sheep in other pastures. And he's talking about us. He's talking about all of the other people that would come and hear his voice and know him. And I, I, think, I think in the church, you know, this was a controversy for them. But in the church, it's a bit of a controversy for us as well. Because I think there are some people that we think, well, God loves us. The good shepherd loves us and we're in the pen. And then we think, but those people over there, they're not so much in. And I reckon Jesus would say, nah, all of the sheep that you think don't fit in the pen, they're from my pen too. They're, they're in another pasture now, but I'm going to go get them later. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. I think one day we will get to heaven and, and we're still going to be trying to set up separate paddocks from the people that we don't want to be near. And the shepherd's going to be like, no, nah, mate, one flock, one pen, we are one. And I am a good shepherd to all. So whenever you think, well, maybe those people are out, I want to remind you that there are sheep in the other pen and maybe, just maybe, they will be in. And I am glad that the good shepherd is more gracious than you and I. The good shepherd loves all the sheep that we hate. And this is where we now jump into the, the bit that sounds a bit corny, but my mother is a good shepherd. Every year before I do a, a Mother's Day um, a sermon like this, I go back and my mum at some point in the past, she wrote down her kind of the story of her life. Uh, and then she lost motivation. Thankfully, she got as far as having all her children in that story. So I have this story of her life from, the, from her birth all the way through until a few years ago. And my mother is an incredible and, and beautiful woman. And in that story, she records the births of her children and, and what it was like for her to be a mother. And some years I've actually read from that story for you because my mum is also a really excellent storyteller. Uh, so... Um, that those stories are funny, but I'm not going to read from those stories for you today. But I do want to say a few words about my mother because she has laid down her life for her children again and again and again. And not just for her children, but for many children. She is definitely a mother and has been a mother to, to sheep from other pastures, so to speak. She has loved uh, broadly and deeply. She has lived a life of sacrifice and care and kindness, and she is a good and beautiful, servant-hearted, noble and true shepherd. You see, my experience, not just as a child, but as an adult, has been blessed because I know that my mum loves me. It's provided this sense of security that has always been there in my life. She has laid in the gate and protected me. 
and I have never doubted that, uh, and there is nothing that I could do that would stop that. She bore me in her womb and she fed me at her breast and she carried me in her arms and in her heart and in her prayers. She bled and cried and sacrificed for me in ways that I can't even fathom. And, uh, and uh, you know, I suspect she will watch this video back. And so, Mom, I love you. Thank you for everything. Uh, but it's more than that because now as a husband... And as a father, I get to see the mother-child relationship from a different perspective. And I get to see the challenges uh, that a mother faces with my grown-up adult eyes, things that I could never understand just as a son, but I can understand now as, as a father. And I look at the way that my wife, uh, Jess, how she loves our kids, how she bore them in her womb and how she fed them at her breast and carried them in her arms and in her heart and in her prayers, and how she bleeds and cries and sacrifices for them every day in ways that I can't fathom because her relationship is, is fundamentally different with our children than mine. These mothers in my life have been beautiful examples of love and grace and compassion and strength and wisdom and the kindness of God. Uh, they, have not just, they don't just know the Father's voice. They have lived lives like the Good Shepherd. They are the examples uh, for me of what good shepherding looks like. They are the testimony of God's love um, from my mother to me, but also from, from Jess to our children. And I am grateful for them. And I know that not all mothers are saints and that, um, and that some people, you know, have challenging relationships with their, with their mums. And I'm not trying to put unusual or weird or, or unreasonable expectations on any of the women in our community who are mothers. Uh, I understand that, uh, that not all mothers are saints, but mine is. But my mother is and has always been. So I am grateful for her. I am grateful for Jess. I want to finish uh, with the psalm reading from the lectionary today, which is in Psalm 23, uh, an appropriate psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, the mothers that have loved us and the mothers that have served us and laid down their lives for us as, as they have exampled what it is to be good shepherds. I pray that we would hear your voice, Heavenly Father, that we would know you, that we would feel your, um, your rod and your staff as they comfort us, that we would know that we are safe with you. And I pray that we would recognize that there are sheep in other pastures and that we would love them and seek them as we, uh, as we try to be like you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.